The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. you can't stomach the situation you, you put up with certain things it's like with relationship you put up with relationship again and again and one day you walk the same door and you say fuck it I just can't do it anymore nothing really has tr- happened but you say like no more very often in human nature we have to go through pain and you know yeah. breaking arms or divorces and someone dying in order. but sometimes you don't and for me it was much it was like just looking around at this open space like I don't want to be like them like zombie mm. click it's a wonderful chaos random messy and glorious solo or tandem we work to find rest and fight to find peace both head and the heart like a nephew and beast what are we doing here you mean listening to this show where the more that you learn so Andy, today Monica Zamba. Zampa, Zampa. Zampa. Monica Zampa. So we are bringing Monica Zampa on to discuss why her family thinks that she's a loser. Now, what I love about a guest like Monica is that she completely owns the space and celebrates it. And you know how fun it is for us to be with somebody who like, like, like we know that if you asked her family members, they certainly would not say that she's a loser. But in some weird way, there's a, I'm sure those little slide remarks that are a little bit diminishing, which give you indications that they don't really approve of how you're living. And yeah. what I what I think is really sweet is that Monica was a high-priced banker in London with her own chauffeurs doing that thing, right? Getting paid a lot and like selling her soul. And then all of a sudden, like it happens one day, you look in the mirror and you say, who the fuck am I looking at? And do I really like this person? And then you're like, how do I start over again? And then you do what would be like a life do-over. You know, and, and every so often you get lucky enough to do the life do-over. Some people aren't as lucky because they just have too many constrictions to make it possible. But some are lucky enough to say, I'm just going to do it over again. But what I noticed is when anyone does it over again, everyone looks at that person like they're crazy. Because yeah. it's like you had everything. You had this. You had the status. You had the money. You could retire. Just do it another 10 years. So it's almost like. You were never happy, but continue not being happy for another 10 years because then maybe at the end of that, you can retire and do that thing. So what I really loved about this show was that I do believe that anybody that goes through awakening inside of themselves and starts to live differently than what their circle has considered normal, they're considered crazy for the first years. And then... And I think almost everyone who's done that can relate to the story. That's why I thought was so beautiful about it. Mm. And uh, that, she did that 20 years ago. So she, as we said before she got on, she's been a loser for 20 years now. So uh, I, I, I want to see how she wears it. 
Shall we bring her on? 20 <laughs> years. Of- 20 years a loser. So 20 years loser. Yeah. You're a loser, baby. <laughs> so that. why don't you kill me? <laughs> <laughs> Proud and loud. Yeah. yeah. Monica, for a loser, you are glowing. You are glowing. <laughs> I am a very good loser. <laughs> I love it. So, Monica, when you wrote that post, I mean, 20 years is a long time. So mm. what 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 are the events that uh, occurred for you to sit down behind your laptop and make that post? Well, it doesn't happen overnight. So my personal journey, so I was, my family loved me when I was making money and I was in London bringing, you know, having my suit and my chauffeur and traveling the world. They were proud of me. They were telling their neighbors, oh, my daughter is in London. She's a banker. And then I, whatever, I went on a pilgrimage to India and I came back and said, I'm going to be an artist. And since that moment, when I connected to my heart and I was really digging deep and trying to talk about taboo issues, that's what I normally do, they didn't know how to place me because I was outside the norm. Mm. I um, didn't marry, had a kid when I was 41, at home, completely against the rules. So they don't know where to place me. And then I, when I wrote that post, I, I'm on a spiritual journey and also a business journey and I'm my own brand. So every single day I work on my brand, which is me. And when I wrote that post, I said, well, fuck it. I don't have to be afraid of anything. This is who I am. And if I want to attract the right people, they need to know who I am inside. And so I just... Put it out. I was very scared, very, very scared. So I typed it in. I, I downloaded it, put it on a voicemail, typed it in, and I said, press, close the computer, and I left. I left because I sweating. I was very nervous. I knew it touches the core in me, and I didn't expect any reactions. But they were huge, massive, yeah. massive. Also... I was talking to Bambos before that on LinkedIn, which is a very professional network. I had thousand people clicking and commenting, and um, I believe some of them are still a bit um, shy to really properly comment, but at least I, I got the, the like. I was really surprised how, what kind of effect it had. Yeah. Yeah, when you said it, I could immediately connect to it as well. I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and my family would not if I would face if I would face them and I'll say you think I'm a loser. Say, oh no, 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 that's not true. Not. But you know it. You, I know. You, you what you just did in the introduction, you know it, the little remarks and you know, we especially women have this tendency to please our dads, you know, and doesn't matter if you're 20, 30 or 50. One of the things is like, we want our fathers to be proud of us. Mm-hmm. My father was very proud of me when I was a banker. Like yeah. Proud. And now when I'm develop, developing and shedding the layers, I'm proud of myself. So I don't need mm-hmm. that from him. It would be nice. Yeah. It would be nice, but if it's not there, 
it's okay. Yeah. I remember one of the last talks I had with my dad. My dad and I never got along for most of our lives. It was always a bit a lot of fighting. And um and and as I did my personal growth, then he was much easier. We could spend time together and it wouldn't be confrontational. And then what happened was one day I was sort of sharing insight with him, like just insight. And and he was like, Andy, do you realize that if you didn't have a successful business background behind you, I wouldn't believe a word you're saying? Here we go. That's exactly what I'm saying. You, because the generation, they, I know where they're coming from. The money, may, it's a security. And, uh, you know, if you have a proper job, nine to five, which I don't believe at all anymore, nine to five retirement, that's a security for that generation. And if you are different, then they are in chaos. They yeah. don't know. They don't, they don't, they cannot relate. You're going to laugh. I, I was 40, had done all my business. I'm sitting, and it's one of the last meals I've ever had with him before he dies. And he said, you know, after doing, you know, all of my personal work, really happy, grounded. He says, Andy, I just want you to know that if you ever want to be a lawyer, I'm happy to pay for your education. <laughs> because at 50 years old, he figures maybe I'll get him to be safe. I can take care, He can take care of himself if he becomes a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a banker. Why don't I go back to banking? Yeah. Yeah. No way. No way, Jose. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned that there were some comments. Did you get people who didn't dare to comment, but they sent you a private message? I had people private messaging me. Yes, I did. And words like courageous, brave good for you. I also felt like an outsider all my life. I'm, you know, the weirdo. And one of the reasons why I actually decided to own it and to honor myself and not to feel that being the outside of the box and a weirdo is a bad thing, actually it's a very good thing because people who are um, non-conformist are the pioneers yeah. And they are the ones who bring the ideas to the to the society. Mm. And you need to be weird. You need to be weird. You need to be different in order to, like an icebreaker, you have to be the first one to break the ice. And so I have a whole community of people like me, 5,000 people behind me on my business, conscious business tribe, who are, all of them are weird. And I know once I found this tribe, I thought, I'm home. Yeah. There are many more like me, and and they're making millions. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're weird and making millions. Yeah, yeah. There's no, one doesn't need to exclude the other, right? That's the no. It's like yeah. spirituality and financially rich because lots of people are spiritual and they are poor, and they yeah. think it cannot be spiritual and rich. That's also one of the topics I. Yeah, that's Love one of the that's about. one of those one of those beliefs that people have that you know that you can't make money if you're in spirituality, right? Yeah, yeah, or that it's it you're corrupting it or it's tainted, all that kind of storytelling. Oh no, oh yeah. money, Ooh. yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of courses with people on that. That's been a fun. Bambos has joined some of those. Yes, I've, I've seen it. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah, yeah. So money mindset is also something I love a lot. Yeah. Up until 20, so you, 20 years ago, you'd say, screw this, I'm going down, a, I'm going to become an artist. Mm -hmm. 
Like before that, when you're a banker, how long does it take you to figure out that I'm not happy and something needs to change? And what is like the pre, like, is there anything that happened like health wise or anything that kind of led you to make that decision? Yes, I was in the city of London, the heart of the of the banking industry. And I remember clearly sitting, I used to arrange big loans, 50 to $500 million, big, big loans. And I was sitting at the table and I was just moving paper from one corner of my desk to another. And I just looked around. It was a Japanese bank at the time. It was open office. And I thought, what am I doing here? All these people are working 60, 70 hours in order to get two weeks holidays, pay their mortgage. It's like life is more than that. And I also, I was a Buddhist at the time. I followed Buddhist teaching and I thought it's immoral. I remember it's immoral for me to get paid more money than a brain surgeon who saves people's lives. So I quit. I quit on that because I thought I can't get more money. He's saving lives and I'm just shoveling paper from one corner to the other of the table. I'm quitting. Yeah. And they thought I'm crazy. Court, how long did how many how long did it take for you between the period which you felt like this isn't right to the point you made the decision? I think a week. Wow. Took me three years or something like that. Oh well, I'm I um I'm a slow burner, but when it when it happens when the penny I, drops. Yes, wow. when I feel it's aligned, I do it. I couldn't go to work anymore. Yeah. Quit. And you and you go to you mentioned that you went to uh to India. Yes, so, I went so to it on pilgrimage. Ha- so uh, could you tell me like w- there was no intent to have this big epiphany, but what happens in that trip that makes it like okay, now it, uh, like there's a before India and after India. What 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 happened? Oh, there? massive. So I sold all my possessions, everything, and I went with one backpack to India. And for seven months, deeply spiritual journey and, you know, life, health, everything together. For those who've been to India, you know, it's not, it's a challenging country. I did, I came back a different person. So when I came back after one year and I came to London, I was like, I can never go back to that life, never. No. So I, ne- I didn't even contemplate of going to the office. There was a- Explain to me, if you can, what happened in that time? So what was it that you say? Because I think a lot of times what happens is people kind of, they're in a rut and they can't get out of that rut because they, it's like it, what I've often seen is that I'm unhappy and I'm looking for the thing that's secure and basically, you went to complete insecurity, which is a big step. It's hard to make that step. Most people say this, I'm, in a, I'm unhappy in a bank. I'm going to go find another bank. Oh, I'm still unhappy. Oh, I'm going to find another bank. And then it's kind of weird. They don't realize that it wasn't the bank that they needed to change. It was something inside of here that they needed to change, you know? Yeah, I guess I'm not the most people. Yeah, but in a way, what happened, if you can like even feel into it, like in India that was so transformational that you said, okay, I'm going to I'm Very gonna fully... deeply spiritual. I went on, a, on a, a Buddhist pilgrimage for all the places where Buddha died, enlightened, and every single time it was deep meditation for hours. And mm. I remember I jumped out of the airplane and I climbed uh, Mount Epnot, Mount Everest, one of the Annapurna, one of the uh, by myself. Because I said, I saw the mountain, I said, I want to climb on it. And the next day I started, no preparation, and I just did it. 
Yeah. And I thought, well, it's you, once you do these kind of things, you can't just go and sit behind the desk and, and fill papers. It's like yeah. life is much more, it's rich. And I remember that, thank you for asking me, because I remember when I was in a banking sector, I would leave early in the morning and I would come home late at night and the whole day just disappeared. I didn't see the milkman, you know, in England we had milkmen. I didn't see the milkmen. I didn't see the gardeners. I didn't see a uh, postman delivering the post. I would come late. So whole chunk of my life would just disappear. And as, and now I know how the life works because I work for myself. I see it's much more fulfilling because, you know, that's, that's the riches. No, I got it. Fascinating. You know, what's weird is that I think it, it's, again, when somebody is so accustomed to a way of living, it's hard for them to imagine a whole nother way of living. So I think it's hysterical. Now, if you look back, I imagine it's even almost impossible for you to imagine the other way of living when you were a banker. Or how is yes. that for you? Yes, because for me at the time, having a nice suit and expensive jewelry and going out and partying and eating at the most expensive restaurants was like, this is it. I have made it, you know? Yeah. And after, but of course, there was lots of drugs and stuff going on and shady yeah. deals and, and people uh, burnouts, you know? Sure. So, and now I also know a much deeper story about banking industry. And then at the time, I didn't. So, really? you know. I remember I did the similar thing where I dropped out and so sold everything I owned and moved then to Amsterdam. And I'd lived in the attic space with no toilet, no water, no electricity or heating. And I was so free. And everyone in my, in my world was like, Andy's gone insane. So I was like, just living this dream of, wow, I, I like, I'm totally free. I forgot that there was the sound of a buzzing sound in my head because there was always, I was always behind. I, I couldn't think creatively. And then I got rid of it. And then felt great joy. And then all of a sudden, everyone around me starts saying, Andy, you're different. We don't like you. You've become. So I noticed that 20 to 30% of my friends dropped out. I still don't really have contact with them because in a way, they needed that Andy that they knew to be similar to who he used to be. So question for you is, has that been true for you as well? And how has that evolved with people you knew then? And how many of them are still in your life today? Well, I do quite a lot of live uh, um, talks in my on Facebook, and I have one of my bosses is a good follower. He follows me, mm -hmm. so he comments. He's like always thumbs up. I have about five people from that time which follow me, and they like me for who I am. They always like me for who I am, not what I did. Yeah, and it's true. You know, people drop out, especially if you. If you're living your life and you're doing your things and you don't really look around and you're just following your path, people don't know how to respond to you. And yeah. they might say that you're arrogant or you are different. Um, and sometimes it could be also lonely. Yeah. Once you reach certain level of, you know, understanding and how the world no, well, I can't even say it. the world works in different ways, but yeah. some people understand it straight away and some not, and um, they will not understand. Yeah. 
they don't want to. So no, it's been okay. a challenge. It's been a challenge for us on the show sometimes because Bambos and I will have a very open relationship online. And what will happen is there'll be some viewers that will watch our interactions and not understand the relationship is far deeper than this transactional bullshit where it's just, oh, you're going to tell him and make him feel good because that's how it works in life. So we, we invite them into the messiness. And I, uh, I see that it isn't always easy because it hurts when you feel yourself not to be seen. Yeah. And so I made that post because my biggest mission is to help other women to speak up. So I step out of my insecurities, my ego, mm. and I know that it's really uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. But if I do it, there will be one woman or one person who would read it and it's like, oh, if she's doing it, I can do it. And that is my propeller. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds very healing also to... Like when I do these kind of posts, it, it's it's always for me to let go of something. Mm. Yeah, it is healing. Absolutely, it's healing. And my family, my father, he doesn't understand what I'm doing. My mom, she, you're a loser, my baby. My mom is great. She <laughs> understands and she supports me. But of course, the comments are there. You know, indirect. Yeah, yeah. Can you give an example of a comment that yeah, maybe give us an, that, give us a that you can moment. feel? Yesterday, come on, yesterday I was sitting give it here. To us. My, yesterday, I was sitting on the sofa with my daughter. My father had a birthday, so I called him to wish him happy birthday. And we are sitting there in our pajamas. It was 11 o'clock. He said, you artist, you never work. You look at you, you never work. And I, I was like, you need to get yourself a proper job. Oh, that was was a mild one. Oh, that's not even, that's not even passive aggressive. That's straight out aggressive. Oh, no, this is very mild. And I was like, yeah, you know, I work all my life hard. And I was like, yeah, but I don't work too. I don't need to work hard. I just need to work smart. Mm. And it's like, you artists. Hey, hey, Bambos, just before you, before you ask another question to Monica, how is it for you? Because you also and very similar to Monica that you, you know, you're not necessarily selling spiritual services, but you're very much allowing people to see under the hood of your pain and struggle. So how is it for you as well? Cause you do similarly, similar posts to, to Monica. Yeah. I, I mean, being in Cyprus, it's great because it feels like people just accept me. Like I have, there's been like, why do you need to do that? But I don't feed it. It's like, yeah, I see your point, but still I'm doing it. But they'll say it uh, to you. They've said it to you. Like, why do you need to do that? Yeah, and, and I feel that when I don't give, when I don't resist, mm-hmm. which I've learned from you, obviously, when I don't yeah. resist it and I receive it and I m- make sure they feel heard, I acknowledge them and I love you and, and this is my way and I love you. Uh, we haven't talked about it again, so it's been mm-hmm. pretty awesome. But obviously in Amsterdam, when I've talked about drug addiction, dad leaving, uh, dad being a womanizer, I did get comments from different family members like, <laughs> why do you need to do that? Yeah. And he, he's dead, Bambos. We need to le- we need to romanticize about him now. He can't be a real person. Well, uh. in a way, like Cyprus is very small. Mm. And 
in their mind, everyone is talking about everyone else. So whatever I say impacts the family image. And what I've seen in Cyprus, everyone is protecting a certain identity. Mm. And, and obviously, I'm not busy with that. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm not here to make people miserable, by the way. So, I, I'm, I'm also tuning into, do I really need to do this? So, it's always, if, and if it's really for my healing, it's a full fuck yes. And if I don't need to do it, then I don't do it. Nice. Mm. That's beautiful. There is a difference of, of spilling everything out there, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It has to, I mean, we are all self-responsible humans. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I, in the past, I've also went really extreme. I used to throw myself under the bus all the time. All the time. All the time. And, and now it's like, oh, I don't really need to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there were some shows, Monica, that I was like, why don't we do this show idea? And it wasn't really, it would have been a hard for, for, for uh, anyone to go through it. But, but Bambos would be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that show, which really would have been a hard show for him to do. And I think the first time he said no to a show was like a month ago. And it gave me so much joy. He's two like, weeks yeah, we, ago. Well, two weeks ago. He's like, we could do that but show. But you I, being interviewed, you, you being on the hot, hot seat. Yeah. We sometimes put me on the hot seat because Andy likes to poke me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's also not true. <laughs> we we need good we need good content for the show. So in some ways, when Bombos has an issue he's dealing with, we say, why not just bring it onto the show? Oh yes, to kind of make it more public. Yeah. So we so it, it gives us a reason to to speak about it live. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, if I think about my business, unmasked photography, a wonderful chaos, it is showing our humanity. It is about that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Monica, I, I'm curious. Like, I was feeling you when you kind of said, I'm not going to do this work anymore. And I was trying to be in your body. And then having to make the announcement, like, how did you, did you, how did you prepare for that? Or did you just pick up the phone, Dad, Mom, I quit my job? Like, how did that evolve? Oh, gosh, it's such a long time ago. I, um, I don't think I even told them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to India. I was, I was like 28, 29, and I was preparing to go to South America. I was studying Spanish because I want you know, I start preparing intensive Spanish courses. And then one month before I was supposed to go, I felt, no, I have to go left. I have to go to India. And like midlife crisis when you are 30 or 29, 28. Yeah. That's, and I was like, I just did it. I, you know, you just do things when yeah. you. It just felt right. I just, sometimes you can't stomach the situation. You, you put up with certain things. It's like with relationship. You put up with relationship again and again. And one day you walk the same door and you say, fuck it. I just can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And nothing has happened. Nothing really has tr happened, but you say, like, no more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not very often in human nature, we have to go through pain and, you know, yeah. breaking arms or divorces and someone dying in order. But sometimes you don't. And for me, it was much, was like just looking around at this open space, like, I don't want to be like them, like zombie. Mm -hmm. and click. I think, by the way, that point you make is really important because I've seen a lot of times 
that I always want to make a life change before I'm forced to make a life change. So in some ways, I think that that's like I I was I stepped on the scale at the end of last year and I'm like, okay, that's not cool. And then I thought to myself, actually, if I think about it, if I continue down this pace, I'm going to have some some health issues. I'm going and then I'm going to have to lose weight then. Because it's like, oh, you have to lose weight to stay healthy. And I'm like, why do I have to have that experience to then be healthy? That's just crazy. So I just started to take care of myself, uh, you know, with that, with that uh, consciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's a high level yes. of consciousness. Yeah, well, it's no different than what you are talking about, right? Yeah, it's more, I am very connected to higher self, like, mm-hmm. You know, I connect every day, a part of my practice in the morning to connect. And and the biggest challenge is that we all have it. The biggest challenge is that we don't listen to it. Yeah. We all have it. We all we have, all have voice. it. And the voice talks to us all the time, loud or very quietly. And it's yeah. up to us to listen and act upon it. So I don't feel I'm different than rest. I just act upon it. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, we talk about a lot. There's this, we've done a lot of shows on intuition and on um, just listening to what feels right and not needing to justify it. And a lot of times the funny thing is, is in reverse, when someone makes decisions that no one quite understands, but then 10, 15, 20 years later, everything makes sense. They, yeah. they, get, to, they get to write the story. But the first 10 years when it l- really didn't look pretty, like everyone's pointing their fingers like, see, you, you, you see, you didn't know what you were doing, not knowing the messy journey was what you needed to get to the other, the other side, you know? Um, yeah. No clue. Yeah. Of course. We, we don't have an idea why, why we do things. No. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, the, that's the illusion though, that people need to think that they actually know what, what they're doing and why they're doing it to give them a sense of comfort. I had a funny talk with my wife two days ago and um, and we were talking about like retirement and, oh, you know, it would be great to have so much passive income in a, in a month to live. Right. And I and I looked at her and, and and as she was factoring in the amounts, I said, do you realize this is all a construct? Because who knows where money's going to be by the time we get to retirement age? So if you think that we have any control even over the banking sector, then you're living in the delusion. Sure. And, uh, and, 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 and it was really funny because I could see her understanding it, but she's like, what do I have to hold on to? And then I'm like, and, th- and then I smile and say, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. illusion, security is an illusion. Yeah, that's the thing. But, but we all need that idea so we can be comfortable. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Um. Mm. I feel we skipped over something. Oh, nice. Go back. Uh, Monica, when you mentioned that a couple of days ago, you, you spoke with your father, like even if even his word, like the way we talked about it, I, I wasn't sure how his words impacted you, if anything. Many years ago, let's say two, three years ago, he would impact me hugely. My dad is a highly intelligent person, highly intelligent but emotional intelligence is very low. Yeah. So certain things come out of his mouth and you think this is just not possible. Like, uh, oh, you know. So I've suffered all my life of, um, some people would call it abuse, but he's not aware. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, he's not aware. 
And what I have built, like I built this temple where his comment doesn't really penetrate my weak point. It did, you know, I was always like, he would say something and I would be like devastated. I'm a very sen sensitive person. So I would be like for days, completely devastated. And now I just know that what I'm doing is the right thing. Yeah. And the money is just the reflection. I know that I'm walking my path and I get rewarded with amazing connections throughout the world. And I'm, I have abundant mind, you know, really abundant which is the biggest win in my life so far to really have not scarcity, but abundant mind. Yeah. And so when my dad says, Oh, you should get a proper job. I know deep down in my core that jogging and raising my vibration is my job that I'm working all the time because I'm working my vibration and that's my job. Yeah. You know what I hear when he says that? I hear, I love you, and I'm scared that you won't be able to support yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, of course, he says these things because he wants me to be married, to have a man who will look after me. But he says, I'm too old, and no one wants me anymore. I'm done. My expiry date has passed. <laughs> he says that to you? Yes. So he really does have no emotional intelligence, does he? No, that's, that's <laughs> it. Forget it. Like, you, you, that's it. Done. No one would want you anymore. Oh, my God. That's good. <laughs> oh, that thing that you're now speaking to, it's a big thing. I mean, if I look at in, I've talked to Bambos about this and pretty much anyone I work with at some point, they start to get to a moment when they see that the dynamic between themselves and their parents is a, an, a, a concept they created in their heads from Disney films, expectations of society, and they don't realize that there's there, that this other person is just some incompetent person that happened to have a kid that was you. Because we, you know, in some ways, weird ways, romanticize our parents. I know when my mom died, I romanticized her for many years, which made it really hard for me to recover from her death. But but what what I find interesting is I sometimes when I talk to Bambos, I'll be like, Bambos, don't think of them as a parent. They're just some incompetent person that happened to be, you know, created yeah. you. <laughs> they could be. I read somewhere in the book a long time ago that your parents, that's how I parent my child. I am just I am just a person next to her. She's yeah. independent mm -hmm. human being. And I'm just guiding her, making sure she, you know, she's protected as much as I can. And our parents are just strangers walking on the street who happen to be at your birth. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Something very beautiful. Like I, I was speaking to Andy the other day and things are happening in my family where there's dynamics and I'm just witnessing. And, you know, he, he just added, there's nothing to solve. I already knew it but I kind of needed another person who I trusted to kind of confirm it. And he says something very beautiful. When you witness uh, your mother in this case, you're actually seeing an individual who's living the consequences of an unexamined life. Yep. Nice. And I mean, your mom, my mom, many moms true. are exactly like this. Totally. And, and we still love them. Like, we still love them. It, it, it's not minimize someone, but it's just like, wow, this, this is, this is like, 
where my path could have taken me. Yeah. You could have been exactly the same. I could have been exactly the same. Just live my life, not examine anything which is happening and not even asking myself why I'm doing it. Like other members of my family. Oh, cool. Um, dog. Um, when, when I, if I wasn't a drug addict, I mean, I remembered even in the beginning when I was a drug addict, my mother. <laughs> she walks here. by. <laughs> yeah, but she, 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 she actually brought a family to my house to, to, you know, to do an arranged marriage. That was still happening back then. And I remember, even though I was a drug addict, I would just started, I locked myself in my room. And later I told her, Mom, I don't even trust you to buy me underwear. <laughs> Like like my sense of humor was still quite present back then. Oh my! <laughs> I couldn't believe that was happening. By the way, like yeah, an arranged marriage—that's fascinating. Wow. You never told me about that, Bambos. It's only in India. Um, th there's something that you did say, and I kind of joked about it, but it actually was worth at least spending a little time on. Is that I've often seen when, especially when someone is the end of their life and they're getting in the 50s, 60s, and then they've actually made mistakes that they perceive as mistakes, and they can't fix them, and they haven't really been able to connect to the, to the uh, I would say, to make peace with it in themselves, that as they get to the end of their life, I've noticed that there's often them holding on to life because they haven't finished what they feel like they needed to finish. Hmm. And uh, and we're going to be inviting some death doulas on as well the show, and uh, and I'm curious to see if that's some an experience that they've also had, that the more someone just is at peace with everything, like I could die today because I'm living what I want to live, would be different than someone who worked uh, in London for 20 or 30 years, made a lot of money, and said, no, 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 I'm just starting to live my life now. It's gone too quick. I I, I feel like that's a theme that I've seen happen on a number of occasions. I don't really know how would they actually, if it's not too late, if you've been living, if you've been working 30 years in the, in the banking and now you've got your millions and you want to start your life, like you need to change your mind in order to, to, to start enjoying your life. And like, that, that's not easy. to start Yeah. I, we, we have a dear friend of ours whose father died uh, just recently. And he worked his whole life. He had a big business. He sold the business. And about a week or two after, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and he died within the year. So it was this amazing journey where he worked his butt off so that he could retire, and then he dies within the year that he's retired. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was incredibly sad because it was almost like now he can finally start living. Yeah, but – oh. But why don't you live when you work? I mean, this why is the point, right? Like, okay, you know, you might not. And that's the whole thing why my parents think I'm a loser because I don't have that to bring it into the loop. Like, I'm not working to save money for retirement. I'm enjoying my life. And some of them are really working hard, but they are letting the days just go by, you know? Yeah. Just. And that telling, me, them by that the going, way. telling them going to the park and seeing beautiful flowers fulfills me and gives me a sense of richness. It's, it's very strange to them. 
Yeah, when you t- when you spoke about living in London and leaving early and coming back at night, that really hit me. That that life, the weekend is about recovery. Like you don't even enjoy the weekend because you're recovering. No, no, because you try. I, I commuted three hours a, a day. Uh, you're not even recovering because, in a way, you're drinking, eating junk, trying to like dra- like not deal with the reality, and it keeps you a bit in the matrix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I see it also in my own life. I've chosen the life of a professional photographer, an artist. And during COVID, I ran out of finance money twice. You ran out? I, I, I ran out of money twice and it was really hard for me. The second time, I could more celebrate it and ask for help. But the first time, shame, blaming myself. And then it was a talk with Andy because it happened. I went to the supermarket and I had to put everything back on the shelf because I couldn't pay for it. And then I went to uh, the podcast. And then, of course, I was full of emotion and anger. And then Andy said, we talked about it on the podcast. And then he kind of said, if you can't celebrate this moment, then you can never celebrate even having money. And that was a really uh, beautiful moment for me because when it happened again, it didn't penetrate me as much. It was like, oh, wow. It's happened again. And I was feeling the aliveness. And also the difference was I chose for this lifetime. I chose yeah. for this way of living. It was yeah. really a decision. And apparently there's consequences when I chose for this way of living still. It will test you. It will test you, yeah. Yeah. It will test you. And test comes from different things. Like I got someone stole money from my bank account this weekend. Just to say, and uh, la, 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 you know, trustworthy woman, whatever. And so it's gone. And I remember, for me, it's a huge victory when I realized that someone took money from my bank account. I didn't feel anger. I didn't feel self-criticism that, oh, stupid, you should have known. This is like, you know, my father's voice or whatever. I, I didn't. And I just felt tremendous sadness for the person who has done it like really mm. from my heart like wow that's really sad the person has to do that to a woman to a mom because he knew i'm a mom rather that's really and i realized that the journey i have taken over the last few years it was this is the result because two years ago i would have feel stupid that i you know i will feel angry and how did i do it and uh, and it's gone so celebrating also, like, you know, I made a post, like people, someone stole money from my bank account and I'm grateful. Yeah. Tomorrow's show, by the way, we have a guest on who was um, found a man online. He, she built a relationship with him and then he scammed her out of money. Yeah. So we have uh, her on and it wasn't easy for her, I can imagine still she's saying, why the hell am I going online to discuss this? But she's actually making some peace with just allowing to, that story to be shared. So, yeah. Someone needs to hear it. We've got some posts coming in. Um, Bolalong from South Africa. He's our third man on the thing. He wants to see your post. So we got to send a link and we'll include the link 
in the thread of this thing. So do I do it on. now or how do I do no, it? No, we'll do it afterwards because it'll go oh, in. Yeah. And so he want, he'll want to see it. He's always there. And I have Danny McGordy, who is, Bambos doesn't know this. This is another first grade friend, Bambos. So we had yesterday a first grade a friend of mine on the show. So it's funny that I'm going way back in my archives to get guests to come on. <laughs> Juliet Reynolds says, I feel like I will probably have a job all my life, but now I make sure that I enjoy life too. And I think that's also something that is a transition. Like you don't need to take a spiritual journey. You can just say, hey, I'm going to only allow myself to be in environments which serve me. And I think you can do that without having to drop off the map as well. Sure. You yeah. can even have the same office. You can go back to the same office like you've been yeah. working for 20 years and you just put a different glasses on and you just are grateful for the free coffee, for the yeah. warm chair, for people you can talk to. You can switch that channel on and your work is immediately a wonderful place. Yeah, isn't that funny? That's really well stated. Like I remember when I um, worked for this corporate where I got paid way too much money and then I started my own business and I had like all of the pressure and the pain and I made no money uh, running a restaurant. I was sitting there thinking to myself, wow, I was so ungrateful when I was getting paid all this money and coming in and all these perks. It was really, uh, it, it was, I even called some of the people afterwards just to share my, um, my apologies that I didn't, didn't show enough gratitude at the time. Bolalong also says the thank God it's Friday team lives for the weekend. Yes. I know a lot of, thank God it's Friday people. Or, or Monday blues. Yeah. I love Mondays now. I love it. It's, wow, another yeah. week. Yes. Yeah, you know, but is it true for you? Because it is for me. Like, I, the only thing I have in my, my week that's pretty normal is a Friday date night. So with my wife, Friday night's date night. Other than that, I might not know what day of the week it is. Is that something that you also have where you're like, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Or like, like, I used to really know every, like Wednesday was the hump day. If I went into work, I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get through Wednesday. I've only got two more days left. Oh, yes. The, the Wednesday and the Thursday is almost weekend. So you start drinking yeah. on Thursday because it's almost weekend. Yeah. The weekend started on Thursday. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you were in the UK, I always saw that the culture was so suppressed that on the evenings they had not only to drink, but they had to get like smashingly drunk. Lines down before the ring, before the bell rings. Yeah, it's before the bell rings. I've never seen such a drinking culture. So yeah, we've got we a lot. We've got Juliet Reynolds, who I've I've spent some of those nights with her, so she'll know she'll know me well in those conditions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I remember well. So I, that's my check part. You know, I can hold my beer very yeah. well. <laughs> so. When we talked about Monica's father, mm. and I was trying to imagine how it would be for him to watch the show, and even if he is coming across as harsh, some somewhere in there, I also want to acknowledge that there is love and an incapacity. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yes, thank you for saying it. And when I'm knowing that he is totally supportive and he wants the best for me. You know, he wants me to be safe and to have enough money to, to be safe. And for him, safety is money because that's his story. And he's not able to say it in a loving way. Mm. That is really the heartbreaking, that the person, you, you on the telephone, you speak, and they, you cannot have a proper conversation apart from just the surface. 
wow. weather and you know grandchildren and this and this but no no i haven't had i never had a deep conversation with my dad never wow and and you're probably never going to and it's fucking great i am yeah. writing letters i have letters here like letter one i wrote i started writing letters I don't know what happened, but I was writing that and things were pouring out of my face, my nose, my eyes, my mouth, and I was just writing and things were just pouring on the paper. So, and the second letter was better and I just will continue to write these letters. Maybe I will never send them. Can I just share, Monica, I love you. Like, I just like want to enjoy this moment <laughs> with you. Just, you're like this beautiful spirit. That's just so, it's just great to be with. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah. So Andy is being the father now. He's giving you the fatherly love that you, that 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 kind of love. Oh, is that the love you would wish you got from your father? I do know that my father loves me. Yeah. And even if he would say, oh, I love you, I'm so proud of you, I would not even know how to take it because it has never happened. This goes a little bit back to that unexamined life, though, because when he's on his deathbed, and he sees you, he's going to tell you how proud he is of you. Yeah. And, and you're going to think to yourself, yeah, why did it take this moment with this much duress for us to have that discussion? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you look at your life w right now, where would be the areas you say, I, if I had a choice to really improve those areas, that's where my focus is at the moment. Well, I'm constantly improving and constantly digging in my uh, business, the way I do my coaching, the way I have my, you know, uh, online business, constantly involving. And what would I like to improve? Yeah, I would like to see it straight away. I would like to see the results straight away with magic stick thing yeah. here. That would be great. Um I do have a lot of trust, trust in the universe, trust that what I'm doing is correct, trust that it's bringing the fruits. And the results, sometimes they show and they just disappear. Like, you know, like the octopus, like little. So like this, she pokes a little leg and she just disappears, like these jellyfishes. Yeah. So more of that would be great. More of the presence would be great. I think I'm pretty good. That's beautiful. I don't want to change anything. Yeah. Happy as I am. It's it's the journey, right? It's the journey. And I'm very proud of the journey I'm walking. And it's not easy, but I'm very proud for taking the guts and courage to do it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think that's one of those things when I when I told you I did my own journey like yours. I remember saying to myself, when I die, am I going to be proud of the life I've lived? And I realized at that moment that I wouldn't have been. Yeah. So it's clear to me that although I succeeded in business and I was doing well and getting paid more than I should have been, like that wasn't bringing me joy. And it was one of those weird decisions, probably the first time I feel like I've ever made a decision in my life where I said, I'm going to say no to what I'm doing and not know what the yes is. So it's really easy to jump from one job to a next, but to say no to one thing and then not and have a vast open space where you don't even know where you're going to go. That's some scary, scary. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And, you know, especially 
people say, oh, you don't have kids, or I didn't have kids, it's easier for you. But if you have kids, it's no excuse. It is no, it is just an excuse. You know, you can still jump and still do it. Yeah. And, but it's, uh, a, it's a whole construct, right? Because it's a weird thing is that if you, you know, you say you can do it with kids, but in order for a person to get free of it, they have to say to themselves, all of the ideas I had about wh- how I was going to raise my kids are something I'm going to make peace with. Because normally when you've done that, you say, oh, I'm going to put my kids in this type of school. I'm going to give my kids this type of clothing. So in some ways, if you can't afford that anymore, you have to realize your kids will probably be much happier in a whole nother scenario, but it isn't going to be the vision you had for them. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to, to, to realize. Hmm. Yeah, I think differently. Oh, how? So um, for me, the quality, so when I was 41, I gave birth here in the living room to my daughter. Bambos knows her. She's quite amazing little young lady being. And then I took my savings and I invested those savings in me being three years at home. And that was my investment. Um, For me, the time with my daughter is the most precious thing. And it's not because, you know, the child is formed within the first two years. And most of of people don't believe that because they can't, children don't speak. They think, oh, I treat them like a piece of furniture because they can't answer, but they absorb everything. So I knew that I'm going to spend three years there. And... I cannot sometimes afford what she wants. And I say, it's not a priority. So uh, would we, the priority would be, I could go to work nine, nine to five every day and earn lots of money, but I will not see my daughter. What is for her more important to be with her dad and mom or have a beautiful sneakers, right? Or go on expensive holidays. So children are much more... Their needs are much more simpler, really. They want to be in the presence of parents. And, and parents go to work because I need to earn money for kids. But kids don't want money. They want the mom and dad to be there, really. Not all the time, of course, mm. you know. And, but you know what I mean? So it's just like lying to yourself. If you. But just to make sure we that's, – that's what I tried to say before, but apparently not well enough for, your, for it to be communicated in the way you understood so that I, not, yeah, I thought that it's I thought that you were saying that you have an idea how you're going to bring up your child and because of your changes in your financial situation, for example, you follow your passion, you don't have it and therefore you cannot provide for your kids the way you want it to. Yeah, I guess I guess what I see is like there's a socialized life. You get socialized in a way to think that this is the right life. And, and I hear it in people's wording. They'll say, I should have been this by 40. Or I think that this is where uh, uh, I, I compare myself with everyone else in my age group, and I haven't gone as far as I think I should have, right? It's a lot of the comparison and judging oneself. And what I've noticed is when someone steps out of that matrix, mm. they have to let go of everything, really everything like you've just said. You have to be okay with saying, I'm providing for my child just by giving them love and being present for them in a way that serves uh, our relationship, not not in a way that my mind had the idea of how it should have been. Because when I was a kid, that's what I saw on TV or what I saw in a Disney movie or wherever the hell I'm being bombarded with messages. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, actually. 
Yeah. Uh, and what you what you say also it's not it's actually the parents it's like my mom and dad they their idea of me bringing up my child is totally different than that i'm doing and so i'm a double loser yeah because you're raising your child like a loser as well <laughs> have Many you noticed that have you noticed that by the way mm. uh, and what, how does that show up like they'll mention things about how oh, you're raising yeah it's another show <laughs> oh no uh. Okay, okay, so my daughter's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you kill me? Um, we got Danny McGuardy. He loves your accent like I love your accent. And he says it sounds like you're from Liechtenstein. Um, oh, I've been to Liechtenstein. It's the smallest country in Europe. Yes. and But actually, just uh, you are half Czech, half Russian, and you spent time in London. That's the accent we're hearing. And, and, and 17 years in Holland. Wow. I love it. Um, we are over our hour. Any qu last parting remarks for you, Bam? I love you, Monica. Zampa. <laughs> oh, are we pronouncing your name correctly, by the way? Zampa? Monica Zampa. Zampa. And, can, we just uh, can we end with a Beck song from 1993? Oh, wait, I'm going to record it. I love that. The lyric goes, so I had to write it down. Soy un predador. I listened to it all day long and I all couldn't... Right. Here we go. Here we go, guys. I'm going to... Yeah. So un you're a loser, baby. I'm a loser, baby. I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? It's a wonderful chaos. We like it that way.